Well, hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chad Michael Bowden. Thank you guys so much for clicking on another episode of Hindsight is 2200. All right, guys, it's time that we start part two of the recruitment mini series. We've been taking a little bit of a break, um, just having fun, doing our own things, making sure that we're healthy. That's the big thing is making sure that we're healthy and okay. So took a little bit of a break, but we're back for part two. If you missed part one, please go give it a listen. Basically what we did with part one was we introduced the idea of the recruitment mini series, but we took a lot of time to talk about employment and recruitment, but mostly just the hurdles, the struggles that disabled people are honestly forced to overcome because of their disability. A lot of the discrimination, a lot of the, you know, kind of headaches that these government bodies create for us as we're trying to enter the workforce. So it was kind of a good way for us just to introduce the idea of what employment is for disabled people and just kind of how much, you know, we have to struggle just to really get to that job we want. So if you did miss it, please go back and give it a listen. You can find it on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Hindsight is 20 slash 200. Make sure you put that slash in between 20 and 200. Um, but anyways, let's get into part two. I am sitting down again with my good friend, Jamie Shields, of that thing called Inclusion. Uh, Future's taking a break, recovering. Um, she went on vacation a while back and, um, we're just letting her rest and relax and just have some time to herself. So everybody, let's get them in here. Say hello again to my friend, the great, powerful Jamie Shields. Hi everybody. How have you, hey, how have you been, man? I've been really good. Busy with work and life and mm-hmm. I, I put my back out there at the start of the week. So busy oh, goodness. That was one uh, thing after another. <laughs> oh my goodness. How, how are you feeling? Are you feeling a little bit better? I think I'll be honest, like because of my eyesight, mm-hmm. I probably should have not better adjustments because I do have adjustments at work, but mm-hmm. I probably need to revisit my adjustments since I started working from home and mm-hmm. I haven't done that. So I've been struggling with back pain in the past while and then it's, I get sciatica as a result of it and it's just been, usually it's bearable, but this week it's just not been bearable. So yeah. Thank goodness my partner's there to take care of me because mm-hmm. he's had to cook cook for me, clean for me, mm-hmm. send take our dogs for a walk, and then mm-hmm. even at times dress me. So I think it's just a wee side effect of my sight. Yeah. Bag of tricks. Yeah, yeah. I have so much back problems, and it all started from when I threw my back out. This is about two years ago now. And it was to the point where I couldn't get out of bed it was so bad like even just trying to like lean up and set up like I couldn't do that it was so painful and then I've just continued to ever so often kind of just throw it throw it out of whack like um I think within like the last like year and a half maybe like two or three times I've had points where I again like literally just like can't walk and it hurts to stand up I just to say that once you put your back out once or you do some your back, your back that's it. Same when you break a bone, it's like it's constantly sore then when mm-hmm. it's cold. But yeah, my back's been bad for years. I think yeah. it's usually manageable and I get on with it, but mm-hmm. it's terrible. But can thank goodness for my partner, as I said, on the kitchen yeah. floor because I've spent most of the week on it. <laughs> cold flat surface. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's it is not fun. Like back back injuries are serious and they are debilitating. But the pain meds are great because they, just, they, don't, they they don't work. But at least you sleep. I'm getting the best sleep at night now after taking my meds. 
uh, I used a lot of sodium blockers to uh, not feel any of that pain. <laughs> uh, I don't think our meds over here in the UK are as strong as over there, but I'll tell you, our tablets do not do anything. My partner mm. gave me a sleeping tablet, mm. and I was like, it's one on its own, and he gave me it, and it was the best sleep I've ever had, so he's had to give me the past <laughs> three nights, because I wasn't sleeping before, but yeah, here I am. Well, yeah. slouched over the sofa at the moment, but yeah, here I am. Yeah, well, we thank you so much for joining us again for part two of this mini-series. Um, and today we're going to get into the nitty gritty of the actual recruitment part, um, which it's good for you to be here uh, because that's kind of uh, a big part of your your job that you do. It is. It's meant to be my full-time day job. <laughs> I say meant to be because I do those extra stuff on the side, but my full-time day job is Technically, I work within talent acquisition. Mm -hmm. um, more specifically, I recruit for internally for the company I work for. Mm -hmm. So let's, uh, let's start breaking it down when it comes to your role as, you know, the recruiter in the, in the, in the talent, you know, company. Um, how does the process get started? And I know we're, we, you know, we're comparing and contrasting UK versus the US because, of course, you deal with the UK market because you are based out of the UK. Um, yeah. But um, for you, how does the process start? Is there an application that your clients need to fill out before they can talk to you? Well, like the way any kind of recruitment comes mm -hmm. about is there's an open end of company, so it's going to be a vacancy, mm -hmm. and essentially you the way that my company i work we do rpo which is outsource recruitment so we're outsource recruitment we go to the market as that company mm. so we have their emails we have their brand and we do job postings for them but mm. before any of that comes about the they identify a need and then mm. from that need they then begin to look at salary what, what location or as it work to kind of build the package of what job's going to be Mm -hmm. And then the kind of the specifics, what does this person need to have? What are the must-haves? What are the skill set they need? Um, mm -hmm. And then as well as that, having a look at the pipeline. Mm -hmm. And pipeline is essentially where we're getting people from. Are we going on to Facebook to find them? Or are we just going to do direct applications? So we're going to have loads of job postings for people to apply through. So there's a whole kind of a whole kind of process behind it. And that kind of gets filtered down to then myself. And where it comes to me is mm -hmm. this is the job posting we have. We need you to find somebody for it. Now, that is one part of it. So I'll go, they'll give me a job posting. I will go find people or what the professional recruitment term is, is sourcing. Mm -hmm. So I work within the sourcing space and sourcing is essentially you find people. It's a bit like job hunt, uh, headhunting in, in the mm -hmm. US. So it'll be a bit like headhunting. You'll find people on social medias, on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. We'll find you if you've left a book review. You, if there's if there's a way to trace you online it's about like stalking online and we'll find your details so we find this person we find a job and then our next step is to build that kind of gap and build mm -hmm. that bridge to sell the job mm -hmm. so the way i would say recruitment works is it's kind of a bit like marketing so you're marketing your jobs um and then you have to kind of be a salesperson and try to sell the job mm -hmm. but then you then pretty much bring people through that process mm -hmm. um, but more in the UK what I do at the moment is I work on our academy roles which is a unique opportunity and something quite new to the market is usually to get into recruitment you have to have experience mm -hmm. but we do these academies which means we look at your transferable skills and we'll take you in and train you up to be a recruiter or to train you up to be a sourcer mm. so pretty much entry-level roles with opportunity which is really great because it's how I got into recruitment. I had mm -hmm. no prior experience mm -hmm. and I can throw one of these opportunities with no experience. But, you know, it's, 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 really, it's really niche 
um, mm -hmm. market recruitment, I would say, because you really do have to be able to kind of multitask, juggle, you have to manage your client's expectations, you have to manage your candidate. Yeah. Um, but I would often times them there. So essentially, yeah, they come to me and say, we need this, this role, we need a 10 headcount, go find the people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, when I lost my job um, at the beginning of last year, um, I was able to get in with a reemployment office and they had me on a COVID grant. So basically what that meant is I just worked as a janitor for about six months. And, um, you know, I got, you know, I got some time to see what their recruiters and their, their talent, you know, sorcerers do. And the one thing that I noticed that we have to do, at least from what I was seeing within this office was, um, they they had to they were required to basically create a profile um it's called my florida i think it's my jobs or my florida jobs.com or something basically like their state's kind of like government site for job sourcing so they were required to create their profile there um they were required to create a resume through the site and have that um and then basically um, although the recruiter would definitely help them, they were still required to, like, you know, to start actively, you know, mm -hmm. trying to find work themselves too. So, like, there is so the way that recruitment is done is you have three different kind of models. Mm -hmm. You have RPO. Well, this is for businesses, might be more, but mm -hmm. my three know that I know of is you have RPO, which is outsourced recruitment, mm -hmm. and essentially you become that client. So the person you're recruiting for, you become them. As I said, you're going to market with the emails. You're part of that business. You do their recruitment. You then have agency, which is pretty much they when you fill out a profile, as you, I think that you would say, you mm -hmm. fill out almost like a profile of yourself online in person, mm -hmm. and then they would kind of match you to jobs, mm -hmm. and then they would be the people paying you. So the ones mm -hmm. so they'd be paying you as the agency, not the company, not the client you're working for. Mm -hmm. Then you have in-house, which is a company who does its own recruitment. So they actually have a team in the offices and the location. Um, so that's the three kind of models. You also have kind of nature models as well and nature mm -hmm. recruitment agencies. But that's the three kind of models you'd work from. Mm -hmm. One that I fall into said RPO, we very much, we, we, we look for more of the culture fit. So mm -hmm. with an agency, they're kind of about getting somebody in and out, you know, almost like a revolving mm -hmm. uh, belt of candidates. And I know it sounds terrible, but they have books, they have records of people coming through. Mm -hmm. Whereas we find somebody, we look for, we want somebody to stay in that business because the partnerships that we do for our clients and the recruitment we do for them, mm -hmm. we want that to last for years. We want to maintain that relationship. So not that agencies don't, but we're right. working very closely with them. So we look at that retention. And then with um, in-house recruitment, of course, it'll be pretty much the same as what we're doing. They're looking for that culture fit. So mm -hmm. it's it, there's different models of it, but my own understanding is just all within RPO. Um, and then the company I work for, we do operate globally and we do have clients across the globe and mm -hmm. have dipped my toe into the US market. But I'm going to be honest, it was mostly just uh, helping people get their proper compensation so they get the proper salary each month. <laughs> and <work laughs> in row. Yeah, yeah, I can understand. Yeah, and, and there is a lot of stuff that goes into recruitment. Honestly, I was, I was quite surprised just how much work not only from the client side but from the recruiter and the you know the the sorcerer side too it's it's a lot and i mean because i mean i don't know how many cases you're, you're allowed to have but it seems like it, it's never ending amounts of people that you're having to manage 
Oh yeah, like it's a like it's a revolve. I don't know why I said this, but agency, but it is a revolving conveyor mm-hmm. of people. Like you know, within my roles, we build what's called talent pools. So mm-hmm. our entry level opportunities, the ones I spoke about, those academies, they come up every couple of months mm-hmm. um, for the recruiter side, and then the sourcing side come up kind of ad hoc when we can kind of speak to our clients and say, mm-hmm. listen, take a chance on this person. We trained them. So what we do with that is you you have talent pools, and that is essentially we're on the ATS, which is our systems we use in recruitment, so mm-hmm. applicant tracking systems. We use these systems to build our talent pool. So it's people mm-hmm. we've spoken to. We have what's called screened. Screened is like a mini interview. It's not a mm-hmm. formal interview face-to-face. Mm-hmm. It's either over the phone or over Teams. And we offer whatever way we works for you best. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously somebody's deaf, they might want to use Teams because you can use your closed captions. Mm-hmm. Um, and in all my outreach emails and all my Teams, the outreach emails, we actually ask you, what is your preferred way to contact? Mm-hmm. Do you need any adjustments for the screening call or for an interview? Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially we support up um we support those candidates screen them and put them in the talent pool mm-hmm. and then once in that talent pool once we get kind of opportunities we email them or call them whatever way the preferred contact is and we say look we've got this role do you want to come for it mm-hmm. or when you that that's like kind of with that side of it but when you mm-hmm. have the flip side of it we're looking for more experienced people within recruitment so mm-hmm. i'm looking I, my work would be in with recruitment so i'd be looking for people with recruitment experience mm-hmm. what we'd be doing there is you'd maybe be managing anything from about five to 20 different roles at once and that's mm-hmm. live roles so that's different jobs so live different five different five to 20 different jobs mm-hmm. right tongue tied there um and you maybe have anything from five to 100 people applying for that job a day mm-hmm. so it's very much a game of balancing hats it's very much a game of looking at your diary managing that diary mm-hmm. looking on calls here whenever you can and then of course you book people into your diary and you do get a lot of no-shows at times where people yeah. reschedule which can be a nightmare when you have mm-hmm. plans a week in advance so it's a game of juggling whilst doing the splits and spinning plates as I always say about recruitment <laughs> yeah 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 and, um you know, when I was working for the recruitment office, um, you know, it was during COVID, so they were limiting how many people they let in. But I would ask them, just like, okay, so um, when it's not kind of like restricted, how 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 busy is it? And one was like, oh, this entire room that we're in right now is completely like filled, <laughs> and they have computers like in, in you know in the back, and they're just like, every single computer will have a person sitting at it. And so it's, there's like 60 computers. So I'm just like, oh my God. And how, how do you, it's like, and then it's just like, and then you have to help them and do the phone calls. It's just like, like you said, it's, it's a lot to juggle. Yeah. And like the way that we work, the my, the way I work, we have teams. So like each client mm-hmm. will have their own team. But on that team, you'll have your sourcers who will work with one of the hundreds of clients that we have across mm-hmm. the globe. So you'll have the sourcing team, I think there's like 20 to 30 of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you then have the recruited team who again, they support the sourcer. So a sourcer takes somebody from the point where we either find you or from mm-hmm. direct application right through to, we screened you, we know you're a good fit for the job. Mm-hmm. We spoke to the client and to the hire manager and said, this is who we want to put forward. Um, so we would take that point and then from that point the recruiter comes kind of comes in and kind of gets involved mm-hmm. um, and this is different to every business this is specific to why I work the recruiter team then gets involved with the recruiter specifically and they put the candidate through the process of getting them booked in making mm-hmm. sure that the adjustments are in place um, and then 
that's pretty much the role until that candidate either gets a job offer mm-hmm. or it gets declined. If they declined, we get feedback. And mm-hmm. where I work, I'm really proud that we do that because a lot of places you don't get feedback. Yeah. You leave a job and you have no clue where you were let down and you thought you did a really good job, but mm-hmm. we make sure we get feedback because it, it's, it's a brand of your company. You ruin your company's reputation by not doing it. And it's mm-hmm. important. Um, so we give that feedback. Um, but if it's an offer, that recruiter then creates the offer, the offer document, the salary compensation, start dates, making sure the equipment sent, everything behind the scenes mm-hmm. and supporting with onboarding. And onboarding is essentially when you've got a job and you've got lovely piles of paperwork to fill out. You have to, your, <laughs> you have to give your passport and all those kind of silly things. So the recruiter then takes over and then that's essentially where we work at, um, with some of our clients. And then mm-hmm. uh, where I work, it's going to say the name, but I don't think I'm allowed to. Um, where I work, Go and look at my LinkedIn and see. Um, so <laughs> they, we, we essentially support there, so we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we work. But then yeah. some of our clients, our clients will just have recruiters, others just have sources. It's very much, every company does their own thing. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that I like about where I work, I'm just going to say AMS. Um, so I work for AMS. And one mm-hmm. of the things I like what we do best is the way that we split the recruiter role, because typically you only think about the recruiter. You think mm-hmm. of recruitment, you think, oh, it's a recruiter, that's it. Mm-hmm. But you have this role where it's split into two. And it means you have somebody there, the sources, you have more time for your candidate, mm-hmm. you have more time to kind of go to spend time actually finding these people, mm-hmm. being able to gather data quicker around what's working, what isn't working, and being able to supply that to your client. And the recruiter on their side are able then to manage the onboarding process a lot quicker mm-hmm. because they maybe have, I don't know, 10 to 50 people at once they're trying to get through yeah. and gather documents from. So even chasing somebody is, it's very hard to do when you have maybe 30, 40, 50 people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I say a lot of the time recruitment is replying to emails and it's a lot of back and forth replies. Can you do this time for an interview? Can you do this time? It, it can be very time consuming. Mm-hmm. So I like that we break that role down because I think it provides a better, a better journey, I can't speak, a better journey for the candidate. Yeah, yeah and, and, that, and I like that because when I, I think the biggest problem that I saw, even with the restricted amount of people that were able to enter into this employment office that I was working at is like they didn't really have a, a split, you know, team like that. So it's like you have one person that's literally having to talk to three people that are in the office at the same time. And it's just like, well, how do you do that? Um, how do you even begin to do that? And, you know, they're all there for that one person and there's no kind of like person that can tag in and help. So I like to hear that you guys have that kind of breakdown so that you allow yourself more times with your clients that are there to see you. And this is it. And I think that one of the things I've worked through agency and I know working for an agency, my disability wasn't supported as well as it has been. Mm-hmm. And I know I work in recruitment, so it's kind of 360 for me to be back on the side. Mm-hmm. But for me to then kind of, to be able to kind of support a candidate with disability in a more supported approach and kind of being able to give them more of my time to kind of say, this is what we can do and this is what we can't do. Mm-hmm. Whereas an agency, you don't get that. It's, well, the, the employer you're going to work for or the client mm-hmm. you're going to work for, they'll sort that out. It's kind of by, um, what do you call that, table tennis back and forth <laughs> for the client and the agency to get things in place. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you work internal recruitment or you do or appear as I do, the, you very much make sure that's in place from the get-go. You're mm-hmm. making sure those adjustments are documented. You're making sure that, that the questions even around getting adjustments mm-hmm. is already there. And like one thing we're doing at the moment, and this is UK Pacific, is mm-hmm. we are doing what's called offer an interview, which means if somebody applies for one of our jobs, we make the minimum criteria for the job and have a disability. 
and have disclosed that, they can select to opt into this and they have to go straight to interview. So no screening mm. call. They've got the minimum requirement. That's all they need. So it takes away a lot of the stress, a lot of those barriers, yeah. I think, for in, especially when you're bridging that conversation because you're already self-disclosed. So we already know that you're going to need a bit more support and we will make sure you've got that support in place. And the managers um, where I work at AMS, they, they get training on that. We make sure we work with the Business Disability Forum and other organisations to provide that training. Um, so it's... I like that we're able to do that. And I think mm-hmm. in agencies, they wouldn't really be able to do that. They, yeah. Because they, they're that conveyor belt to people. They, the more mm-hmm. about just getting that straight in and out, whereas we have that time to spend. And it's something I actually have led myself. I'm also the Global Disability Employee Resource Group lead at AMS. Mm-hmm. Essentially, it's working with colleagues across the globe to make sure AMS is more inclusive. And it's pretty much using all my past experiences of things that didn't work and right. ranting about it to we change it ourselves. And <laughs> so far it's going good because we've launched that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I know that that that's great because, you know, that conveyor belt system is kind of impersonal. And sometimes you as the client feel that you're uh, you're limited. And then the other thing is, is even if the person has that other client that's waiting I mean, I remember like there, there was one guy there, he literally, his name was Guy. <laughs> so Guy was so popular because he, he, he was, you know, he knew all these systems really well when it came to the state, you know, websites. So he would get someone come in and they'd be there with him for hours. And then he had another person be there just waiting, sitting there for Guy. And they didn't want to really have anyone else to help them because, you know, they were, working with guys so they wanted to work with him so it's kind of like one the conveyor belt system is good too but also if you you know don't have a breakdown where you can have someone else to step in for your recruiters and your sourcers uh you know as as much as that one-on-one time for hours is great um you know you're limited to all the people that you can service in a single day because eventually you know, they're going to get tired of waiting. <laughs> 100%. Like I always say, recruitment is about network and relationship building. You're constantly networking yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't, like an RPO is easy to do because you're there to support better. You build those relationships. The relationships are, you know, I like to think that I build a relationship with my candidates and my clients where I'm very authentic. I will be very much hands-on. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you need me, because my mobile number, text me. That's mm-hmm. my LinkedIn. Find me there. But if it's easiest for you, I'll reply to you. I should mm-hmm. plan to somebody before this call I've been off work for sick for a week and I was meant to have a call in the last week, but I messaged him today on a Saturday saying, I'll message you when I get in the office Monday. Not turn my laptop on, but you know what? We'll be in touch. And I think that's the difference between when you, when you have that time to invest in those relationships. Mm-hmm. So recruitment's networking. You want people to see you as somebody who's approachable, who they can come to for advice. And something I say at the end of every one of my calls is, listen, if you, you, know, if you need any advice, please reach out. If you need a prep talk before the interview, I will give you a prep talk. Mm-hmm. Or if you need just some interview prep, I'll do that too. So mm-hmm. prep talk or prep talk, um, whatever you need. And I think that's the difference is that those relationship building um, is mm-hmm. really important. And I think sometimes it's easy to see you lack that. And again, that's probably because the person doesn't have time to do it and they probably mm-hmm. have a table full of people waiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, were the company that you work, um, do you specifically um, cater to disabled clients or do, is it kind of like 50-50? Um, you know, like what is the model for the um, people that you work with? So 
you can't really model it. I, I, I don't okay. think you can model okay. it. I don't, okay. think, I don't think you can model it um, okay. disability that way with mm-hmm. job postings. Mm-hmm. The way that job postings work is there's meant to be no bias at all. So it's, okay. it's about it's about the person, even though we all know the bias exists. You know, mm-hmm. we, we said this is no proportion, but we both know the bias exists in places. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I think the bias appears in job postings. When you're reading a job posting, if that is using negative, that is or not even like language, it's about language. They're using mm-hmm. language that's really waffly and it's not very clear, concise. That's not inclusive. There's some reason <laughs> neurodiverse isn't going to be able to gather that. If it's a job, but doesn't need a job license and mm-hmm. you can you know it does it's an office job and it's saying you need a job license that's not inclusive mm-hmm. you can look at it all different ways there's ageism in language as well if they say mm-hmm. they want somebody who's mobile or fit you know that's ageism coming through so mm-hmm. when you have a job posting it should have no best it's about who's applying but the problem is is that we disabled people we haven't had the same opportunities as others we've not had that support and because of that, they're disabled people are less likely to be to have the skills for some of the more senior roles in businesses. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's important for companies to look at the kind of being able to have offer an interview where if somebody is disabled, they can apply and if they have that criteria, they can go straight forward because we're creating an opportunity where we need it, you know. Mm-hmm. And that sounds terrible, but it's true, we do need it. We mm-hmm. I know myself, I got a chance to take on me to come into recruitment. And I needed that chance because I would never have worked in recruitment before this. Because to get into recruitment, you usually need a degree to work in HR, which I don't understand because HR and recruitment are two different <laughs> things to me. But apparently you need a degree. Um, and then if you don't have that, they want you to have experience. But how do you get experience when you're struggling to get employment or struggling right. to retain employment because you have a disability? So for me, I think that you have to create that opportunity. And again, it comes down to how do you know a company is it going to be good for disability that attraction piece and it's all in the job postings it's mm. in the marketing materials you use it's in the way they engage with you if an employer is asking you about adjustments and this is we can do that in the uk we can ask them about adjustments if you need them if they're putting them in place for you right from the get-go amazing mm-hmm. if you are going to your interview and you've requested an interpreter and you're getting that straight away amazing in the uk we also have access to work if an employer is engaging in that conversation about kind of getting adjustments in place when you're in the role already, you know, that, that's an inclusive place and that's somewhere great. But mm. it's about creating that opportunity and not every business does it, um, even though there's so many different schemes they can join within the UK. Um, mm. They can join a business disability fund, they can become a disability competent employer. There's Purple Space, Purple Brick, there's Shores, there's so many, so there is. Mm-hmm. And essentially there's all that support out there. So I think for me, you, there's no model of saying mm. that certain percentage is going to be disabled, certain percentage isn't. Mm-hmm. We, we don't want somebody to feel that their disability is a reason mm-hmm. for them to have to mm-hmm. get a job. But at the same time, we're trying to create space where they can't self-disclose. But I, I, there's no data on it. You can't mm-hmm. really capture data on that. Mm-hmm. I think that once you finish a job posting and you, you kind of go back and look through the kind of self-disclaimers and things like that, which a lot of times you can't, it's illegal to do in a lot of companies. Mm-hmm. But you, it, I think then you can get a bigger picture. But there's no kind of model for it. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. So when I was working at this reemployment office and um, God did they try to help me, <laughs> but the problem that I, I, I had was, and it was two parts. One, um, no one in the office had any sort of significant disability, whether it be motor, cognitive, sensory, auditory, or visual. Um, so as much as they were great as a recruiter, they had no experience with disability or what it was like to be someone with a disability. So there's, that was the one part. 
Second part is a lot of the job postings that you find through just um, at least the sites that I was using um, all automatically, you know, you, you just see stuff like have to have a valid license. Okay. We got to yeah. strike that one off. Um, lift and operate heavy equipment. All right. Got to do that one. That one's getting striked off too. Um, and then there's just a lot of, you know, like you said, and I really didn't think about it because sometimes you just, you don't think about it. You're just going through just trying to find that job, but there really is a lot of applications when you're reading like automatically because I noticed it myself, I'm reading this. I'm just like, all right, I don't like the way that this sounds. I don't like the way that that, that sounded. This seemed concerning to me. And I, I, I always like bounce stuff off my, my father because, you know, he hires a lot of people at his company that he works for. And I'm just like, hey, I have concerns with this, this, and this. What do you think? And then he'll be like, um, yeah, this probably isn't a good job for you because of this, this, and that. And I'm like, okay, that's what I thought too. So, you know, you don't really think about it, but yeah, just from the application itself, you can kind of get an idea of this is probably not a good job for me. So the first part was I was working with people that didn't really know how to help or find work for a disabled person. And then the other thing was that their sites really weren't offering work for disabled people. It was for, you know, people that have zero disability. <laughs> so that was my problem, my struggle. And as much as they were trying to help me, as much as I wanted to find a job, I just felt that this was not a good way, or at least this office was not the right one to help me. Like this is it. I, th I think the problem lies in companies always kind of say have, they have DNI initiatives and DNI is diversity, equity, inclusion. They have these initiatives mm -hmm. and they say we're going to do the X, Y, Z, but a lot of the times they do kind of become more inclusive towards a certain minority group mm -hmm. and disability is always left behind. So it is, it's always a kind of forgotten child. So these these companies have these great initiatives but are lacking in that part. And I think when you look at what a good company is doing, I think when you're a job seeker, if you don't have a disability, you just have to think, okay, what's, what skills, what, what experience here I need? Mm -hmm. That's all you have to think about. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can kind of go down the avenue of, oh, am I going to be a good culture fit? What are the values? Yes, but your first hurdle is, do I have the experience? Done. Right. Mm -hmm. For us, we have to think, right, this is this job posting. You just said it. You have to kind of go through and say, right, this doesn't sound like something I can do, right? I need to have a license. So you already have to think, do I have the experience? Do I, am I going to be able to do this job? Mm -hmm. And then we have to then go look at a company. And if you're somebody applying for jobs and you're just applying for them and not looking at a company's website, go look at the company's website. Mm -hmm. that is the, that's the that's free information. They want you to see it. You need to, and it'll help you with interview as well. You want to be able to talk about a company. Mm -hmm. But we then go onto our website and I can't remember the exact fact. I said the 70 or 80% of companies, um, Forbes released that don't have website accessibility. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the times we then have another barrier because we can't actually use the website right. or there's imagery on there. And or one of my biggest pet hits is contrast where they have white text oh, or picture or over like appeal there's a new trend of pastel colors and websites and it's just it's just horrible yeah like no so there's another barrier so we can't use the website so we're, we're being faced with barrier after barrier after barrier and the difference between a company who you know is doing better is you're going to be able to use their website straight away mm -hmm. you go onto their website you're going to see a section and you want to see a section around the values around diversity inclusion mm -hmm. you want to see what they're saying about disability because if an employer has employee resource group set up within it internally that's going to be the culture. Those kind of groups empower the staff, but then they have to make change. 
that's where the culture of the business comes from. It's mm-hmm. people driving from within. So if they, if you start to look at that website, you can't accessibility toolbar. They're talking about disability. They're talking about employer resource groups. Tech, tech for you. You should be mm-hmm. a plan. But if your website doesn't isn't accessible, you can't tell any of this here. So that I would rule that company out straight away. And then as well as that, there you then have to think about your the location are you going to be able to actually go to location is it going to be accessible is the building accessible mm-hmm. so here's your fourth barrier and mm-hmm. you've not even had a full conversation you've not even applied for this job and the difference between a good company and a bad company is again the website but even this job posting that you initially would have seen there is training out there and there's support out there and companies right across the globe us specifically it's really big in my LinkedIn I see people talking about the companies they've launched self-starting businesses supporting the disabled community and businesses mm-hmm. and how they go about approaching this but essentially they're supporting you and writing more job descriptions that are more easier for people to understand mm-hmm. that don't kind of waffle on oh no, we do this blah 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 no that or you need this experience it really looks at what experience you need right what is this job doing and a point blank lists it. So there's ways about writing those job descriptions, having mm-hmm. that accessible website, and asking about adjustments. Is there any adjustments that you require for the interview process? Mm-hmm. A question like that on your application, there'll be workplace um, adjustments um, for the US, but having that question on your application, that's a massive step forward. Mm-hmm. And not every company is going to get it right. Like I think when you work with smaller businesses, they're less likely to be accessible. And that's just my experience. Mm-hmm. And it's because they probably worry about the cost of getting adjustments, things like that. Mm-hmm. And effectively, adjustments actually aren't as expensive. Everybody likes to think they are. Um, but, you know, businesses have to really look at themselves. And you, you as a job seeker need to really look at that business because mm-hmm. there's no point applying to be a taxi driver if you can't say. And there's no point. I put that same principle into There's no point applying for a job or com- for a company that isn't accessible to you. If you have to get somebody else to read what that business is doing for you off the website, why would you want to work there? Because you're already <laughs> having to take extra steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, some businesses are doing really well. Like I think one thing that is global is there was a kind of a woman called Caroline Casey. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of her. She is originally from Ireland and she founded what's called the Voluble 500. And essentially what she did is she launched this um, Valuable 500 globally. She took on 500 business leaders to sign up and pledge their companies to become part of this movement. And that was really putting business um, disability on the boardroom agenda. I've talked about it in that thing called inclusion. But what she's done is she has brought this collective... Oh, I just slapped my mic. My hands go 90 when I talk. She's brought these companies collectively together to really sit down and look at how they're recruiting people, how they are building cultures with people, how they are being accessible. Mm. And, you know, it's amazing because it's, it's and that's how you create changes. You get so many people to do it and everyone else copies on and jumps the bandwagon. So she's starting to change that whole perception. And she's on LinkedIn. They have a website. Check it out because it is fantastic the work they do. And they do work across the US because I was actually at a conference um, two weeks ago with my employer. And we actually had a guest speaker from the Valuable 500, 500 mm-hmm. who was based in the US. So they operate globally, but they're getting these companies to really drive change and make those changes to the website and mm-hmm. they're holding them accountable. If you're not doing it, <laughs> Caroline Casey's going to tell you you're not doing it. Um, <laughs> and she's, she's an Irish woman. You don't want to make an Irish woman angry. Um, mm. Or a man. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say or a man well, either. Um, you know, so there really there is change out there, but I think that in terms of recruitment, there is going to be companies that are still not accessible. And I think it's about time they started getting held accountable. And that's just my personal opinion. I don't know about the US, but I know in the UK, 
companies that don't provide reasonable adjustments or workplace adjustments, when they're not providing that, are willing to even try. You know, in the UK, we have so many resources. We have access to work, as I said, and actually pays for some of our adjustments. So there's no excuse for companies these days not to be getting the resources to become more inclusive because there's disabled staff on your business. They'll sit and tell you what you can do to change it for them and then go white bigger if that's what you have to do if you're afraid of working with other organisations. But go online, go on Google, go on anywhere. There's so many hints and tips out there and there's just no excuse for it. So mm-hmm. recruitment should be accessible. Is it completely accessible? Probably not, mm-hmm. but it should be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you bring up a lot of good points. Like I'm definitely when I started trying to work, I didn't look at the websites. Um, that is so important. So if, if you're anyone that's listening that is still in school and uh, in experience with, you know, looking for jobs, definitely you need to look at the website because like you said, the website will tell you a lot about that company. They're giving away free information that even you can use during the interview to pose questions. So 100% that website is very important, especially for someone with any sort of disability. Um, Cause like you said, I hate websites where I go on there and it's just completely all white because the contrast, they just use so much white and bright. And I'm just like, what are you are you trying to make my eyes explode <laughs> yeah it's, it's insane because you know you have you have standards out there mm-hmm. like there, there, there is set guidelines for it there's so many there's so much information out there for companies to utilize and use to find this out but mm-hmm. i think it's just lazy and i, I think some mm-hmm. of it actually comes down to marketing because mm-hmm. i actually read recently that you know if you're in university studying marketing you don't actually get taught accessibility so there's no kind of set, oh, this is accessibility, this is mm-hmm. how you kind of make things more accessible. Same as here within attraction space, there's, there's no real training for it. So people mm-hmm. come out and have to kind of go find their own ways to become more accessible. So mm-hmm. I think that's where the problem lie, lies is previous, well, up to my knowledge previously, this was never taught. So people didn't know and they now should know because every, mm-hmm. you know, one in five people, according to the World Health Organization, have a disability. So mm-hmm. um you know, you know somebody with disability. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. why wouldn't you want to make it easier mm-hmm. for that person, you know? Um, so this, I think when it comes to that, that's where the problem lies, mm-hmm. is these people didn't know, and now businesses should know, but they still don't do it. Mm-hmm. And these websites, like, there's some... There's some very terrible, there. terrible websites. And there's some of them that I legit will tell people, do not go to their website. I hate their website. <laughs> and it annoys me. Like, I, I I, always ask people, what does this say? What does this website say when I was applying for jobs? Because I, I, don't, I must have known I was getting into recruitment one day because I actually thought I was really good at interviews in person. <laughs> um, I always smashed them. I always get job offers uh, in person. But usually my rejection came at the starting point because I'd maybe not filled the application properly. So it was rejected straight away. But when I did get an interview, I always got offered. Um, and with the interviews... I, I think that because I've been through that experience, I always knew, I, I think in the back of my mind, I always researched companies. So I always ask somebody, what does this say? What is this value of the company? Give mm-hmm. me them and I'd write them down. So I always had that mentality. And I still say to candidates today, if you're going to enter an interview, um, know something off that website, know at least three values. Most mm-hmm. businesses only have it by three. Mm-hmm. Know those three values. You don't have to know word by word what that value says, but if you can say it was passionate, it was bold, it was authentic, that's my company's values. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have to pick look at those values and sometimes it'll resonate, find where that resonates with you. Mm-hmm. Be able to say what that company does. But if you have to ask somebody to tell you this information, and it's taken me a long time to get to the stage to even say this, but if you're having to ask for help at that stage, that's not fair to you. This isn't an mm-hmm. accessible employer. 
I went into a business, well, employment a couple of years ago before I got into recruitment. And I was working for the Northern Irish Civil Service, so working for the actual civil service of the country, so our government. Uh, not a big government in Northern Ireland. We don't have a government at the moment because of recent elections, but we'll say nothing. <laughs> if you follow Irish history, Irish politics, it's terrible. Um, but before I came into employment, I thought, yes, this is going to be great employment because they are the biggest employer in the country. They're definitely going to be disability friendly. I, I looked at the website, but I couldn't use it. So I got my mum to give me some stuff off the website and I got the interview and it was through an agency. So it wasn't even employed directly through them. It was through an agency. It's probably why I had a terrible time. But I got in there and the culture was so toxic. Mm. When I said if I needed adjustments, one of the managers was actually telling people that I was dramatic because I was telling, I would kick up a fuss if I didn't get my adjustments. And the fuss that I was kicking up was, it wasn't a fuss. I had to take time off to go get medication because I was using my computer without adjustments and I actually ended up taking like 20 something tablets a day. And this is my sciatica first presented itself really badly. Mm-hmm. And it was that like it was horrible. It was she was telling people I was like this dramatic queen because mm-hmm. I didn't get my adjustments and it really annoyed me. And then I came into a team and everybody had this false misconception about me. And then when I did say I couldn't see things to the management, it was very much like, you could, I, I can't see their face to see if they're eye rolling, but you know when somebody's eye rolling at you and you can tell by the body movement, I'm not completely blind. I saw some side. I can see when somebody is shrugging me off or kind of like makes mm-hmm. that sound. So it really winded me up. So it did, I was going to say bad weather. Um, but it really did, it grinded me because that was meant to be one of the best employers in Northern Ireland for for disabled people and mm-hmm. culture was just so toxic. I can remember telling a senior manager I couldn't see a TV and him moving a computer chair, but like, can you see from here? Will you see from here? And this was in a room filled with people I didn't know. And I just walked out. It's just like, I'm not here for your attitude. Like, imagine trying to put me down like that. Yeah. And even more to the point, how dare you try to move a seat and tell me will I see from here? I have no clue where you moved that seat to. I'm standing on the door of the room so I can't even see what you're doing. So it was very much a toxic culture. And then when I got this role with um, my current employer, now I'm going to be honest, they didn't have an accessible website when I applied, but I could see the website. And that was that was okay for me because I didn't need my screen reader. I could just zoom in on the computer. It was all mm-hmm. good. Um, so I, I now got them accessibility to the board, by the way. They've had one since last year. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so we now have that. But before we had that there, like I, I read the values of this company and I knew that they were going to be different because one of the values was authentic. And I've never seen a business talk about this. And everyone always told me I was really out there. My mom always said, it's only because you're authentic, son. That's why they always say you're out there. Little do we know that I actually now think it's ADHD that makes me so authentic. It's not actually my eyesight, but that's a whole rabbit hole I'm going down at the moment. Um, but yeah, so for me, I, I kind of, well, I lost my train of thought there, even. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I just think that, you have to really look at the value of the company. You have to really resonate. Mm-hmm. So this authentic value for me was, I, I liked it. And then when I came into the business, I, I got my adjustments. Everyone was so supportive. And I think that was the biggest mm-hmm. change is I didn't actually say I wanted my adjustments. So I didn't. They asked me. Mm-hmm. It was just like, you're struggling. You you know, we've got you the thing. You said all you needed was um, some Zoom in software. We've got you that. But you, I can see you're struggling in this small laptop that we've given you. And I was like, I am really struggling. My back so sore. And they got me a bigger monitor, but like straight there, mm-hmm. no paperwork, just got me. And at that moment, I knew it was, that was it. I was going to be fine. Yeah. yeah. Anytime my adjustments did get changed, they were always supported. Like the management supported me. No one made me feel desperate. No one rolled their eyes when I said this didn't work. And in fact, 
my, my current manager my job actually said to me there at the start of this year or a few months ago sorry she said to me I've I was having a return to work and being off sick and it was over the flu or something I can't remember what was on me but she said to me she's like you're really panicking why are you so panicky and I was like because these are bad these return to work's a really bad thing she's like no they're not just to make sure you're okay and I was like no that's what they always told me in the past and then I ended up getting disciplined and sacked and she's like no like these are generally to help you and she's like what's happened to you is you've become you've been so emotionally affected by what's happened in the past it's impacted on you where you see things as a challenge and a negative before really thinking wait a second this company's here for me mm-hmm. you think three years working at AMS I would know this by now but it's true I'm, I'm triggered from that and I think everyone's triggered so I'm off a tangent again but yeah values are really important so I, I, I think look at the values if you can resonate with them amazing if you can't get on the website to use them get out of time run yeah yeah and you know it is sad that we have so many shared stories like that for people with a disability of any form and they do become triggered by being in a work environment because they unfortunately have had to bear that toxicity um and it's only when we can find a company like the one you're working at like for me being able to have worked for Southeastern Guide Dogs, you know, I knew up front, okay, this is a company that services disability. So already from the front, just even in the name itself, I know the company knows how to deal with disabled people, especially visually impaired people, which just so happens to be me. So I knew they knew how to work with me. And like you said, anytime anybody noticed, they're like, all right, hey, Chad, do you need something? I'm like, yeah. They're like, why didn't you tell me? It's like, cause I, I just didn't know if I was going to be able to actually get it. They're like, you're afraid. <laughs> you're like, you're going to get it. You just tell us what you need and you're going to get it. Like you said, yeah. um, I never asked for, uh, um, they gave me the biggest monitor they had in terms of their computer. I never asked for that. They just knew that I would need it. So they gave it to me. Um, the one thing that, <laughs> and this was the silliest thing for me. And I like I always felt so weird for asking about it. But um, when I was working as the welcome desk coordinator, um, we had these windows, these giant glass windows. And depending on the time of day, the light shone right into my eyes. Yeah. So it was completely blinding me. And the thing with RP is dilation. Like we have such an adverse reaction to any sort of light into our, uh, our eyes because of the mm-hmm. retinas. So I would be blinded. It didn't matter if I had my voiceover and stuff on, like I couldn't really see. So one day I just asked HR, I'm just like, um, can we get blinds put in on those giant glass windows? I know this sounds absolutely ridiculous. And she's like, yeah, we'll do it. So they literally, they put in, these remote controlled blinds so basically you just press a button and then the blind would go down on one level or if you wanted it on the top level of the windows because like they were like stacked windows so there's like a row of glass windows then above it another row so if you just wanted like the bottom row you can just do that or if you wanted all of them you can do both rows but for me that was so great because every now and again i'd be like okay i can't freaking see my monitor press the buttons and then bam uh, I like <laughs> light. I'm the same with light. Like light kills me. Like I can remember working at a contact center and saying to the manager, "Can I move because the light comes in and hits my screen and I can't see anything?" Mm-hmm. Well, where are you moving to? Because if you move, you can't sit on anybody else's team. Just move with somebody else in the bay. 
and the bay was right in front of the sun. So like yeah. that understanding, it is, it's about having that understanding and yeah, not every company will have it. And mm-hmm. I, I, they should do because again, everybody knows somebody with a disability or a health condition. Everybody should have empathy and understand. It doesn't cost nothing to be a decent human being. Mm-hmm. You see somebody struggling, help them, support them, ask them. And like, that's something I always live by. But and at MS, they really did. They really did stop and ask. And I've now ended up with two monitors and I always say it's maybe too much, but mm-hmm. you know, adjustments change. And if you're in a job, that can change in time too. And if you're not getting good feels from, and if you're in a job and you're not getting good feels already when you're talking about adjustments, you're not going to end up getting promoted because how you can promote if they're not giving you adjustments in? And then not that that will be a defect deter, but you have to think of the bigger picture. If you're in a company, you're struggling to get adjustments, you want to progress, you're not going to really be able to, the, things change. When you get new work, your adjustments need to be looked at mm-hmm. and adjustments are static, we know this. So I think that if you can tell, looking at a company, you have to really do as a disabled person, I think we have a duty to ourselves to really go and research that company if we can. And if they're not accessible, call them out. Like I do it all the time. Like, you know, one of the things working recruitment is we get headhunted quite a lot. We get messages onto our LinkedIn email. Mm-hmm. There's people basically said, came across your profile. Wow, you look amazing. I'd love to hire you. You'd be such a good fit. Blah, 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 blah. It's a sales pitch, essentially. And some of them are great. Some of them are terrible. Um, and I have this habit now, I think because I'm 32 now, and I, I struggled like right until I got this job at AMS three years ago. I struggled my whole life trying to get find employment. And I, I think that I, I bury a lot of it down. So I, I try to be as positive as possible then. <laughs> Hide the negative. Um, but with my AMS past few years, it's really changed me. And when I get these emails, I've now kind of grew this backbone where I actually message back and say, well, actually, I can't use your website because you don't have an accessibility toolbar. But here's a company who can help me, and I'll give them the name of me, which is an accessibility toolbar company. So I'll give them that name. And then as well as that there, if they come and say to me, oh, we'd love you to work for us, da-da-da-da-da, and it's, just, it's a terrible sales pitch, I'll say to them, but like, well, look, this is a terrible sales pitch you've given me. I do this as well myself, and here's what you've went wrong. I almost given it back with red circles where they went wrong. And it's taken me years to have that backbone, but mm-hmm. if I could give my younger self any advice coming out of college, I, mm-hmm. college, I dropped out of college. So out of education, I would have, um, I would say, have that backbone. Yeah. Say what you want to say, mm-hmm. but doesn't work for you because if you don't ask, you don't get. My mum always said yeah. that. Yeah. And I know we shouldn't always have to ask, but at times you do, you have to just say mm-hmm. enough's enough. Yeah, 100%. And and for us, at least for me, I was always afraid to ask, even though I, my mom always, if you just ask, you, the worst they can say is no. Oh, I get that saying. My mom yeah. says that too. <laughs> yeah. And it's taking me so long to finally agree with that and be like, you know, yeah. I'm going to send this email. If I get a no, I got to know. But at least I asked the freaking question. <laughs> I do it all the time. Like I got an Asda, Asda's grocery store over here, by the way. I actually think it's part of Walmart, the UK version of it. So uh, they, um, Came to my door with delivery the other day, and he's like, "Is this your order?" And I was like, "Show me items in a basket." Like, <laughs> Come on, mate! I can tell you what's fruit in that basket. I can tell uh, you what's ten. Can you t- can what's you describe mine? everything for me, please? Pretty much. And he came a box. It was this box, and I, I'm going to be honest. I think I knew it was mine, but he was like, "Is this yours?" I was like, "I think so." And he gave it to me, and I kind of was like looking at it and feeling it. And I was like, "I didn't order this much cereal. I don't eat cereal. <laughs> Why did I have this?" So. It was annoying, but I messaged Alston. It's just like, this was so unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Same as I have, like, you know, my phone provider. If they send me out a contract or 
anything. I previously in the past sent me out bills and I've rang them up and been like, why are you sending me something I can't see? I told you about my eyesight. Mm-hmm. I've rang up and I actually have taken one of my banks to, not like to ombudsman, to like almost like a ombudsman is like we can kind of go above the, the bank and complain mm-hmm. about them. So I've actually taken them to the ombudsman before mm. because I used to have this little code oil, I don't even know what you call it, it's like a card machine kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's like a mini calculator. Remember the calculators you would give in school and they were tiny, you can use them. Yes. It was like one of them, only smaller. And you had to put your bank card into it and it would give you a one-time code. And my bank kept giving this to me and I kept feeling security every time I was ringing up to the point I was having to order a new card every month. It was ridiculous. I was going into a branch to lift money. And I lost the head one day at this person. And they were like, well, maybe if you looked hard enough, I just that the screen reader, you'd see it. Unless it's like, oh, well, hold on a second. <laughs> Wrong words, person. So <laughs> I, I, I'm going to, I want crazy and I probably sound like a current customer but I went absolutely AWOL in this person I get so angry the manager phoned me back the manager tried to deflect what the person said and put it on to me as if I had misheard this person and I reminded him and I said I can't remember exactly what it was but it was long lines of like I know I have better here and than most of the average people around me because I have to compensate for my eyes so do not dare and then I actually took the ombudsman and got lots of money like it wasn't lots of money it was like 200 pound but for me, when I was struggling, that was a lot of money. So I got to eat well for like two months as well. Um, <laughs> so it was, I, I think you have to, I think it was the biggest act of me kind of realising enough's enough. Mm-hmm. And I think it's easy in the UK to kind of go to those cases and things. Like I've been to tribunals with employers who have said in job postings, oh, you need to drive. Well, why do I need to drive? It's a remote working job during recruitment. Why do I need to drive? And this was about two years ago. And it wasn't that I, this sounds bad because I keep telling how much I love my employer, but I had this company approach me and at the time they were offering me a lot of money so they wanted to do recruitment for them. But little did I know that this is recruitment. The money that they offer you is crazy, but you get in there and the money drops. Um, so they were offering me lots of money when I just started and I thought, this sounded great, I'm going to leave AMS, ha, ha, ha. And I didn't because they they talked about wanting me to drive and I got really angry and even though I wasn't applying oh, hit my mic again even though I wasn't applying it was annoying that they told me that I needed a license and I explained to the girl why I didn't have a license and she kind of said oh we're well, not good enough so I, I took down a tribunal for it so I, I I've I've got a, I've had to grow my backbone as I said mm-hmm. I just I think because I've suffered employment and I kind of suffered enough of people's nonsense by saying, oh, look harder, or um, you can't see to be a manager, or why would you do that? You don't look blind. <laughs> I've had enough of it. So, like, I, I pound some people now if they say something about mm-hmm. a disability. And it probably makes me sound like very crazy, but that's enough shit. Excuse <laughs> the language. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I let, like, if someone's with me, I let them hang, handle it for me because I know if I, I say what I want to say to them, that person will be destroyed for a couple of days. And they will just feel so absolutely terrible. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, like my know, mom, like my, my mom and friends. Uh-huh. My mom and friends have told me that I have a tongue and cut glass. Like my tongue can't cut glass, and I'm not afraid of that. Mm-hmm. I have to. I'm very vocal, and I think I know not everyone's like that, and that's why everyone needs to be really vocal and shout at everybody because you really right. don't. There's different right. ways about it, but if something's not working and they're not doing something, resolve it. Speak to a superior. Speak, speak mm-hmm. to somebody you can. Find out who that company's part of. Go on Twitter, rant about it. The mm-hmm. civil community will jump that bandwagon. We see it happen all the time. And I think there's power in that. There's power when a community can kind of step together and say, well, mm-hmm. no, this can't happen to a community member. Um, so go on Twitter and complain about the company for not accessible. <laughs> and then I'll, I'll support the tweet and fight them for you. <laughs> 
I, I'm not going to get into it because I did the same thing when it came to Uber recently. So um, that is public on my Twitters. Um, yeah, um, not very fond of Uber sh um, share ride right now because of how they treated my sister. So um, it doesn't I even have to doesn't even have to be about me. If it's about my sister and it's due to her disability, you will hear the wrath of her big brother. So just just fair warning. <laughs> this is it. You have to, and it's good she has you look out for it because I'm going to Uber's a terrible. Like, I'm not a I'm not going to say the travel companies before they come after your podcast mm. and me. Um, but they don't. They don't even pay the drivers properly. They won't get contracts for work. So I'm not surprised to see them being terrible at discriminating against people. Yeah. But. There is some really good companies out there. And, mm -hmm. like, you know, there is some really good companies. And sometimes you do have to push back. Sometimes you mm -hmm. have to fight. But yep. it's you're not alone. I think that's the main thing is you're not the first mm -hmm. person to live up to so that. So don't think that it's your fault because it's not your fault. Mm -hmm. And that's something I, you know, I speak to candidates and uh, who disclose a disability. And as soon as somebody says in an interview, or sorry, a screening called me, I'm disabled, <laughs> I jump, my eyes light up. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, me too. And I put <laughs> myself in disabled. And then I tell them what we do at AMS and that they can get involved in. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I love that. I love being able to help that person. Even if they're not the right fit for the job at AMS, I'll help them get a job at a company mm -hmm. I know is inclusive. And there's disability job boards in the UK, I know there is, but probably some in the US as well. And again, I'll try to find you these, but probably there's <laughs> job boards, but there is less to company out there you know is more inclusive. Stick mm -hmm. to them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, talking about the, the people that you help, um, when it comes to them seeking employment, um, say they um they get to an interview. You you mentioned that you can help them with preparing for that interview, um, and you know just kind of like being like, okay, so how are you feeling? Do you know what you know? Do you know? Do you have some questions that you want to ask them? And, you know, get them prepped up. Um, and then let's also say like they they do land the job. You know, they ace that interview, they get the job. Um, if they need help with adjustments or any sort of, you know, tools or devices, do you, do you help with that as well? I'm just, so very, would, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. That goes past the recruiter. So it does, mm -hmm. that would be more like kind of you would go to your HR. Right, However, right. we, one of the things that, like I said, like I, we asked about it because mm -hmm. we want to, we want to support that person from the get go. Mm -hmm. So whether the time they get to that person who's interviewing them, it's usually one of our managers who's going to be their mm -hmm. manager interviewing them or one of the managers. So they've got that information. So the team's mm -hmm. ready where, but mm -hmm. we have a process that kind of kickstarts in, which is with our employee relations group, which is essentially our HR. And they support the can. They have a process for the manager to follow. So like an occupational health referral, a desk assessment, whether it's remote or at home. Sorry, remote or in the office. That was the exact same, the remote or home. Um, so they will do a desk assessment, but then they will also begin that process of what adjustments will work for you. That manager will have a conversation with that person and say, mm -hmm. what adjustments have you had in the past? What's worked for you? Right, mm -hmm. so you never had any adjustments. And that was the case with me when I came mm -hmm. with MS. Like, what will work for you here? And I said, I don't know. I've never worked in this industry before. <laughs> and we did an assessment and they got me so many different things to try. And I'm going to be honest, I got emotional trying some of them because... Mm -hmm. I showed my age. I was like, why didn't they have this years ago when I started working? <laughs> um, so it was very much triggering for me. But I think that that's what we had that process that's followed. And then I, because I am our global ERG lead, our employee resource group lead, I very much make sure it's my job to stay involved with that person because I want, I, I want a community. Mm -hmm. MS. and we have a community of people on our disability group but a neurodiversity group we meet as one we have that community we have a coffee mornings or 
chats or rants and we have ways for people to contact us across the business mm-hmm. but we also have roles within the group as well but we kind of look at different parts of the business to support and because I lead that group I, I think it's my kind of my, not duty but I feel personally obligated mm-hmm. to make sure that person's having an enjoyable time at AMS and not just because they're disabled I don't everybody I show everybody the same kind of courtesy I'll mm-hmm. check in with them you know I had a group of people who were in training there last week and they were in training for two weeks and I, even though I don't have nothing to do with the training, I hired them for the, I, so I sourced them for the job. I didn't hire them. It wasn't a good offer. Some of them I did. Um, <laughs> but when I went into the office, I brought in snacks and it sounds so cliche and like they were children, but I came in with snacks, so I did. And just to kind of make them say hello to them because I like to have that hands-on involvement. Mm-hmm. And that's something I think that at AMS, we do something so special and so different anyway I've ever worked, is there's a, there's a real people element to AMS. Mm. And there's a real culture and, I always call my team my fam, and I used to be like, oh, cheesy when people used to say things like that. But now I, I feel it. I feel like I have a support mechanism in my mm. work. This week when I was, was off with my sciatica, I was at home and my mind was, my ADHD mind was just, blah, 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 blah. things were just shooting at me, every road interaction. It was like, I'm letting such and such down. I need to do this. I need to email. It was just so many questions. And my teammate actually said to me, Jimmy, shut up. You just need to sit down. Tell the voices to shut up and just you sit down, switch off and have a moment and breathe. And my manager kind of related the same when she didn't tell me to shut up. Uh, and my other teammates did too. So for the first time, I think in my whole life being off sick, I was able to actually switch off and not be like, oh my God, I'm going to get sacked. Or, oh my goodness, is this going to trigger my absence because of my disability? Well, it won't because we have an absence policy for disability. And again, it's, it's finding that company that has the support, the infrastructure, the people who actually... We get and train staff members who join the, the employee resource groups and the, they actually have those groups. If a company's doing well within the disability space, they will sing it from the rooftops. Yeah. You know, type in the company's name into the Google search bar and just type in disability after, see what comes up. Mm-hmm. You'll see some of the discrimination cases if I've had any. You'll see the positive, you'll see the bad. And then look at staff reviews. I think for looking for a job, you really now as a job seeker have so much opportunity. There's so mm-hmm. many different companies hiring and a lot more, like now because of COVID, a lot of companies are actually now removing a lot of the requirements they had before. So opening up to entry-level mm-hmm. roles with no experience required. So have a look at the company. Make mm-hmm. sure you look at those values. Make sure you see what they're doing in that space. And if our application is not accessible or the website's not, next, move on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and there's, and there's great websites um, like Glassdoor, um, that will allow you to kind of get that inside look from actual employees and kind of know, you know, all right, what really is this work environment like? And I mean, is, is it as accessible as they say? Because then you can find it. And again, yeah, um, recruiters and sourcers are great, but um, we can't forget how important it is for you, the person that is going to actually be doing the job to do their due diligence as well. You, you know, you know, there, you guys are there to help them, but you know, don't just, just don't try and take it for granted, you know, do, do some of the research yourself that way. Cause you're the one that's going to have to interview and do the job. So, you know, you have yep. to do a little bit of work. <laughs> and one thing I always think as well is with recruiters, not all of them are like myself, like not all mm. recruiters have a disability. Mm. Some, most, some of them have lived experience, some of them have no people, but they won't have that lived experience. So if you're coming to them and saying, is your company doing this, 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 what adjustments do you have? 
they're not going to know that at the start mm. because a recruiter doesn't know the adjustment. Their job is not to know that. Their job is mm. to know what adjustments you need mm-hmm. so they can pass it on to management to make sure that it's there in place for you. So they're not tactical. They're not. They're just there to support the process. Mm-hmm. So I think step one of any job is, it, one, is this accessible? Mm-hmm. Is this job description accessible? Is it reading to me? If it's not, next. Right. Two, if it does start to look like a job that you can go for and everything's not absolutely chaotic in that application, then look at the website. Is it accessible? Yes, it is. Go ahead. Make the next step. If it's not, no. Mm-hmm. Um, step three is then looking at their website's values. Look at those values. Look at their, look at the media. Mm-hmm. Those companies use the same stockpile images of disability and you'll see it. Because you'll see the same image in every company and think, oh, God, that girl with that lovely hair, she must work everywhere. No, it's a stockpile <laughs> image saved on Adobe. So you, you'll start to see the companies that use stockpile images. You'll see the companies that are using actual photos and mm-hmm. imagery of their staff, their staff being empowered. And this, the, you can tell, you can tell when somebody's empowered. You can tell when mm-hmm. somebody, a company is not just talking the talk. And that's something I always say is companies mm-hmm. talk this talk when it comes to inclusion and they don't walk the walk. And mm-hmm. that's, that's 99.9% of companies that I've come across. Mm-hmm. You really do have to do your homework as a job seeker. And if you are struggling to find a company, you know, Google it. Just put in the company's name and put disability beside it. You'll see the good and the bad, as I said. But mm-hmm. there's so many different re- resources out there. Monster's really good. Another one is if you want to be cheeky, get LinkedIn. I tell everyone. <laughs> Um, be on LinkedIn because LinkedIn talks about opportunities. I've seen people go on there who are disabled who have posted and said, I'm struggling to find employment or such and such isn't working for me. And that post has been shared thousands of times and mm-hmm. they've landed roles and companies. You know, I think there's so much power in LinkedIn because it's a networking platform. Yeah. Facebook is a social platform. LinkedIn's mm-hmm. about networking. I usually go on and rant about inaccessibility and things that don't work or me trying to fill jobs, but get on there. Look at the company. You'll find every, most companies are on LinkedIn. Find the company. Message a member of staff if you see somebody there. Message the employee because mm-hmm. you can see who works where. Message them. Ask them what it's like. Ask them do they know anybody that's able to the company you could speak to because they will. If they do, they'll pass it on. And if they don't, they should be able to go speak to somebody and find somebody you can speak to. And you know that's a shortcut for you. That's speaking mm-hmm. to somebody directly yourself. So there's so many different ways you as a job seeker can now see is the company worth it. Um, and I hope they are worth it. I think mm-hmm. that inclusion is kind of becoming bigger and bigger as you tag us on. Yeah. I think at the moment there is such a lens on disability inclusion and it's because we've been left behind for so long. Mm-hmm. There's also a massive lens on your diverse hiring as well because again, they've been forgotten for so long. So you know, I think that the way that I'd have the world to be or recruitment to be is designed for the 1%, I always say. Mm-hmm. It's something I've stolen off a talk I was on years ago and it's designed for the 1%. And that is think about what what benefits a disabled person will not benefit somebody who is not disabled. You know, we created welcome packs, which for neurodiverse hiring, which when somebody starts our business or is thinking about it, they get a pack of information sent out about them, about the employee resource groups we have, about what a typical day looks like, about the role, but people have previously said about it. We send out videos, think different things like that. We now do take, we can do an interview over teams where if you're somebody who just is neurodiverse and doesn't isn't communicating that well that day, you can use the team's chat and use to, to reply to us and you know, whatever way is comfortable for you. And that is a way we're designing for the one percent. That mm-hmm. is some people prefer to speak over the phone, some people speak face to face. If you're somebody who's not disabled, that's gonna benefit you. When you've got the job, that pack that we've sent out, we send you out an updated pack where your first week schedule 
with things to wear that where the what time you start your what time your lunch breaks are from everything throughout the day we also have locations of the local shops what to wear for work the dress code things like just all different random information your team all these all these silly things that if you were not disabled you would think these are questions you have in your head but you don't want to ask because you don't think silly <laughs> but when you're somebody who's neurodiverse or disabled this might be the difference between you feeling secure and taking away that anxiety so design for the one percent what works for the disabled community can work for everybody and that's something i'd be really keen to see in the future is well, how do we progress to get into recruitment to a point where everything is accessible and it is designed mm-hmm. for the one percent at the moment i am doing my best at ams to do that to kind of <laughs> that accessibility in that one percent and it is working but it's a slow mm-hmm. process and when you're having to go back and change years and years and years of business you know, for mm-hmm. time it can be exhausting for yourself but when you see that change happening it, it really is exciting yeah absolutely you know and that's that's where we need more people like you who are going to be willing to undo the decades hell even the centuries of predated outdated um, models because I mean let's just be honest one disability is the largest minority in the world you you mm-hmm. can google that and fact check it it will be correct we are the largest minority in the world that is globally and we were never from the beginning of time meant to be a part of the world because they have never once designed it to be for us and that's where we need more people like my good friend Jamie Shields to undo and take that challenge, you know, and be that warrior of change. Because if we can continue to undo and unravel this just stupid web of outdated models and systems, we can start to build a better world for everybody. And that is what we are starting to see now. We're seeing more and more people become very vocal and not afraid to shout out when injustice happens. Because honestly, Sometimes that's what it really takes is to you to follow up on the discrimination and injustice that you are seeing. And if you can do that, we'll share it and we'll fight with you as well. But definitely recruitment is one of those things and just employment in general is still something that we have to fight. But it, we have to be honest, it has seen some improvements um, lately. Um, and, you know, this new trend of remote work has really been a blessing for a lot of people. Like for me, you know, especially um, I am being rewarded so many amazing opportunities now because the market has switched towards remote. And, you know, it's just beautiful to see that there are going to be more people like me who are even more isolated and, you know, homebound that are now going to be starting to live their lives again. So definitely, we need more warriors like yourself, sir. So thank you for doing the fight because I know it's a hard fight. Oh my goodness. No, don't thank me because honestly, I'm not one. Of, thank me when I when I've actually changed everything and everything's one percent designed for one percent. Sorry, but everyone can like this is that I don't I don't see what I'm doing as massive change. And you know, mm-hmm. people people who are not disabled say, Oh, you're so inspired. Oh my mm-hmm. god, the work you're doing is so amazing. And I'm like, day one, because like, what do you mean? I'm just doing I just want to change. Right what's happened to me mm-hmm. and like that's what I was thinking it's a wee bit selfish thinking but if I can change the feeling that I've had before the, with employment like I, I've been dark places I've been in yeah. places I've been strength I partied I did disconnected from everything I mm-hmm. had mental health spirits and you know that that all has an impact on somebody and you just have to say one day enough enough and that's how I've done it at AMS and 
it's worked out for me. I, I, I spoke vocally about my disability. And I think because of that, and I think because they recognize that an MS, well, he's got a lot of a lot of something in him to change. <laughs> so they gave me the platform. And I think I'm really lucky to, to be part of it because, you know, it's mm-hmm. opened up so many doors for me. And <coughs> sorry to apologize. That's fine. So many doors being the podcast. Like, our podcast, Last Night Called Inclusion, it came from me one night dreaming about me and Future having a podcast. I got up and put a dicky bow on my dog thinking me and Future, I had this podcast and camera. I've never even brought my own dog onto the podcast, so I don't know why I thought I'd put a dicky bow on him. But, you know, this all started because I, I just wanted an outlet. I was like, I was things are happening at work, but it's not mm-hmm. fast enough. And more people need to hear it. And why am I keeping it just to AMS? Now I find my mm-hmm. voice... I'm like the opposite of the little mermaid. She took the girl's voice. I'm now, I have my voice and I'm now trying to shoot it out everywhere. I'm like, let's try to put this. And it's opened up so many doors. I'm now going to be speaking on a global festival of inclusion. I said that really funny because it's such a crazy thing for me. I'm going to be speaking. I don't know if you've ever heard of Text Help. They are a assistive technology provider. And they're actually one of the companies of Valuable 500. Um, and again, if you're looking for an employer and they're part of the Valuable 500, tech, 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 sign that contract, get in there, that's a company <laughs> you can change. Um, but this company, Tax Help, they create, they create assistive technology, works for a range of disabilities. And it's essentially an overlay over your screen with different drop downs you can use. But hmm. they have asked me to come speak at their festival of inclusion. And I'm going to be speaking about how you retain an employee, you know, about that first kind of 90 day experience of being in a job and what works yeah. and what doesn't work. So <laughs> yeah. you know, I do come check that out because it's it's not just about, it's, it's just, that's just one event of the day, but throughout that day, there'll be guest speakers from Microsoft, from really big companies within the mm-hmm. UK, US. And it's just, I think those events, if you can attend free webinars, or you can attend things. LinkedIn shows you what ones are free, by the way. That's why mm-hmm. I say get on it. Those companies will be speaking at those events. And if that company's speaking at that event and it's all about disability, you know that's a good company. Mm-hmm. But for me, like my voice has just opened up so many doors. And it's funny because I hated my voice for years. I always say I sound like <laughs> French. A wee boy doing his French GCSE. So I do being recorded <laughs> still. Um, but yeah, find your voice. Your voice can make change, whether that's through. Twitter through whatever way you're doing it, or if you're in employment at the moment and things aren't working, email HR, email your manager, find out how you can change it because that's what I did. Mine all started by doing a post on International Day of Persons with Disability saying, This is my eyesight condition and this is what I'd love to see changed. And now here I am, a global disability lead and working recruitment. So it's five three sixty moment. <laughs> well, Jamie, thank you so much for coming back on. I have thoroughly enjoyed part two of this mini series it has been such a good episode and i hope everybody has enjoyed listening to it as well and of course if anyone has any questions for my guest and you want me to ask for you remember you can email me at cm bouton that's c as in chad m as in michael then b o u t O-N, C-M Bowton at yahoo.com. All one word for that C-M Bowton at yahoo.com. And if you want to tag me or DM me on Twitter, podcast as a page, it's 2200 hindsight at 20200 hindsight at 2200 hindsight. And if you would like someone to listen to this podcast and you think, hey, I like these guys, what they're talking about. I want my friends to listen to them. 
share them the link you know it's on anchor it's on spotify and it's also on apple podcast hindsight is 20 slash 200 please remember to put the slash in between the 2200 hindsight is 2200 so 20 slash 200 jamie but if they want to email you directly or ask you questions can they do that and if they're if they can where can they do it at Oh, of course. So you can get me on Twitter. Oh my God, I don't know my Twitter handle. Do my podcast one and just ask to speak to Jamie. So my the Twitter handle for my podcast is at that inclusion. So that is at T-H-A-T inclusion. Oh God, I'm going to spell this out loud. I-N-C-L-U-S-I-O-N. So at that inclusion or, or my email info at that thing called inclusion.com. Um, yeah. Even, even there, or just just message and chat page on his because I'm always on it anyway, lurking on it. <laughs> we, we talk, we talk very often. <laughs> uh, he's, you know, we are, um, you know, the one thing that I've loved um, is um, becoming friends with Jamie and Fuchsia. I consider them um, personal friends, um, and I love everything they do. So, if you would like to listen to their podcast, please go check them out. That thing called inclusion i love it and i think you'll love it too so please go give them a like and a share and follow them because they're doing great stuff all right well that's going to be it for part two and part three well it's time we wrap up this mini series so please join us for the last part in the mini series when we see you guys next time until then i always tell you guys to please be safe be kind to each other and take care until we meet again love you guys